now have you covered for all four major European soccer leagues, but we didn't want to spam you with a bunch of content you're not a fan of. So we created different channels for each sport we'll be covering this soccer and football season. That way you can easily subscribe to your favorite channel, whether it's NFL, college football, or soccer. We've got you covered with everything you need to know to be ahead of your betting game. A little heads up guys, this week we'll have shows every day from Tuesday to Friday and we'll have some interesting guests. So make sure to hit the notification bell. Don't say I didn't warn you. See you guys soon. This NFL season, Matt Landis, Las Vegas Chris, and Scott Kellen will break down the games live every Tuesday and Friday on our BetUS NFL YouTube channel. Subscribe, hit that bell now, and never miss a show. BetUS, where the game begins. have you covered for all four major European soccer leagues, but we didn't want to spam you with a bunch of content you're not a fan of. So we created different channels for each sport we'll be covering this soccer and football season. That way you can easily subscribe to your favorite channel, whether it's NFL, college football, or soccer. We've got you covered with everything you need to know to be ahead of your betting game. A little heads up guys, this week we'll have shows every day from Tuesday to Friday and we'll have some interesting guests. So make sure to hit the notification bell. Don't say I didn't warn you. See you guys soon. This NFL season, Matt Landis, Las Vegas Chris, and Scott Kellen will break down the games live every Tuesday and Friday on our bet. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. And boy, do we have a good one today. It is week zero, baby. It is actual football games, and we are pumped to discuss it. It is brought to you, of course, courtesy of our experts here at BetUS, where the game begins. Uh, let me go ahead and give a brief introduction. On the right is Parker Fleming, our analyst. He is the owner and proprietor of CFB-Graphs.com. And on your right is Kyle Hunter. You can find both of them on Twitter. There is a link down in the description to go ahead and check that out. Kyle Hunter is our professional award-winning handicapper. And we are here to kind of help you through the week zero games, see if we can find any value. Now, before we get started on the games, go ahead and remind you that you can sign up at betus.com right now. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. Gives you 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500. And that is sports book exclusive. So go ahead, sign up again, link in the description. Do us a favor and sign up now. I'm telling you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a good, good, fun season, a renaissance, if you will, for college football. And we are pumped to get started. Now, uh, before we do all that, you're already here. You're watching the show. Hopefully you like it. And if you do, hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit the notification bell. That way you know when we go live. We will be live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time and on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to talk about all the games where we find value every single week. So go ahead and subscribe here and make sure you are good to go for the entire college football season. Jump into the chat. We would love to hear from everybody as well. We will try and get to a little bit of a Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, but yes, go ahead and knock that out. Guys, let's go ahead and dive into our first game that we are going to discuss. And the first one up is Nebraska at Illinois. 
to start us off. Now, this game was originally supposed to be in Dublin. That's why we are getting a week zero game. Otherwise, it would have to be a Hawaii rule. Uh, we can talk about that later on if we want to. But this game starts at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, August 28th. The line right now, Nebraska favored by seven. And it, there's a lot of love for Illinois right now. Brett Bielema comes in. This is his first season on the job. Of course, he was the former head coach at Wisconsin. Illinois won last year 41-23 to at Nebraska. Uh, they did lose 42-38 to the season before that. And Nebraska in Scott Frost's first season clocked them 54 to 35. So that is the history on these. Uh, Nebraska 0 and 2 against Illinois as a favorite the last two years. They are 3 and 8 against the spread as a favorite overall since uh, the beginning of 2019. I'm, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know about this one. Once this line dropped down, I felt kind of better about Nebraska, but I don't know how much I can trust Scott Frost. Uh, let me go ahead and get you in here, Parker. Give me your thoughts on the Cornhuskers and the fighting Illini here. Yeah, this game is just about as week zero of a game you can get. I think that, the, you know, them not playing it in, in Dublin uh, only adds to the hilarity because there's really nothing special about a conference game between two uh, pretty bad teams, one that hopes they're at the beginning of a new era and one that frankly, might be at the end of an era they thought was going to go better with with Nebraska. Um, this being a touchdown, I, I really do feel like this should be a, a game that Nebraska should win uh, if they are who they want to be in, in 2020. So if you think about Nebraska last year, Adrian Martinez was pressured a lot. He didn't really get a clean pocket a lot, and he ran way too much too uh, too early. They um, really struggled, uh, you know, in in, in – early downs when they didn't succeed on early downs they got into bad positions and i don't think um illinois has a really good third down defense last year you know they allowed uh 38.5 uh, or excuse me 41.8 percent third down conversion so nebraska's last year their their struggles were largely we don't do well on early downs and then we try and make uh you know we can't make up for it on third downs i think illinois is going to give them a lot of leeway on third downs there and so i do think that adrian martinez especially early in the season uh, against a team that that you know might get it together later on with Brett Bielema starting, this game seems like a really interesting opportunity for an offense that's been together, is returning a lot of production, and um, should be competent if not good against uh, a defense that's that's almost uncertain. I have a lot of respect for Ryan Walters, the um, coordinator who who is over there, but this combination of you know just. Uh, a lot of uncertainty on Illinois, plus returning quarterback, a lot of continuity on Nebraska. I, I don't see this being a repeat performance. I see this, this being a comfortable win for Nebraska that, that's flirting with double digits. There is a major talent advantage for Nebraska overall in this game. Uh, I'm not sure about a coaching advantage, although it is definitely a benefit to have a coach that's been there now in his fourth season as opposed to one that is just beginning. Um, but I, I am curious, like it... Martinez is the more talented guy, but is he a better quarterback than Brandon Peters? Uh, I, I'm I'm not I'm not sold on it yet. I need to see it because he hasn't been, but he could certainly be. The ceiling is certainly much higher. Uh, Illinois, I I feel you talked about third down. I feel like Illinois got the advantage in the trenches. I think they got the guys uh, on the offensive and defensive line to be able to uh, make Nebraska uncomfortable here i mean I, i'll tell you i think that the line is right uh kyle you know I, i'm gonna let you talk about the the matchup i know the total is set at 55 right now uh nebraska was 
only one in seven as far as overs unders last year. They only hit one over on the entire season. Uh, there's just a lot of people that continue to have respect for Scott Frost's offense, even though he doesn't seem to be getting there every week. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so a lot of this uh, depends on what you think of Adrian Martinez. I mean, do you think Adrian Martinez has continued to be a uh, turnover machine? 15 lost fumbles in the last three years, which is the most in the country. Uh, 14 to 12 touchdown to inter interception ratio here the last two years. High completion percentage, but his average depth of target is just 7.1 yards. Wandale Robinson just transferred out. Uh, Gary touched on Nebraska's defense was actually pretty good last year. 44th in yards per play allowed. You know, to me, this is a Nebraska defense that was pretty impressive compared to what we thought, but the, the offense kind of let them down. Uh, 35 red zone trips for Nebraska last year, just 18 touchdowns. Illinois, 12 touchdowns and 26 trips into the red zone. So two really bad red zone offenses last year. You know, does that regress to the mean or are these guys just not good in the red zone? Um, Illinois was 49th in the nation in rushing offense grade, according to PFF last year. So this is a pretty good rushing attack. Uh, I think they'll be good again this year. 112th in passing offense. So I expect to see something similar. Uh, I think Bielema is an upgrade at coach uh, for Illinois, and I would want to bet Illinois here. The problem is seven's not enough for me. You know, this is one where the lines come down a bit. I want to get seven points, uh, more than seven points, because I think this will be a close game, or at least somewhat close game, but seven doesn't give you much of a margin for error if you're an Illinois better here. And as you guys both said, Nebraska has much better talent. I hate taking a team that's a short underdog that hasn't recruited nearly as well as the other team. So to me, that's a big negative for taking Illinois here. Um, I don't trust Nebraska enough to lay seven points on the road. So I'm not gonna bet this game, but I will say if I had to bet this game, I'd probably bet the under in this one, uh, just because I do think there will be a lot of running clock in this game. Both teams wanna run the ball a lot. Uh, Bielema, we know 62.8% uh, of Illinois plays were runs last year. I think it'll probably be higher than that this year. Uh, Bielema has kind of touched on, he really wants to focus on the rushing game and we've seen him do that in the past. So I think a lot of running here. I'm gonna lean to the under 55 in this one. Now, Kyle, I guess this will be an overall philosophy kind of thing. Early in the season, especially after the kind of year that we had last year, is it more of a trend to bet the under early with some of these teams that, that we know like to run, we know will like to try and establish on defense? Is that a is that a thing or is it just matchup specific? Well, I mean, it's matchup specific, but I will say non-conference games are better overs usually than conference games. And here we have a weird conference game first, right? So we have some of those this year. Um, in general, the under usually does better later in the season when the weather gets a little iffy and when the games mean more. So I would say I don't necessarily lean to the under overall here at the beginning of the season, but in a game like this where it's a familiar opponent, and uh, both teams are going to be running the ball so much, I do kind of lean to the under here. I can get with that. Now, Parker, you you like Nebraska it, minus the seven here. You think they should be able to handle business. Um, would it surprise you at all if Illinois were to win this game just outright? Um, no, I do think that, you know, the, the rushing defense for Nebraska might be something that you're you're interested in. You know, they were 79th in EPA per rush last year. And, and like Kyle said, uh, Illinois is rushing a ton. Actually, if you filter out third downs, because, you know, third downs are often dictated by if it's short, you're running. If it's long, you're passing. That's not really an indicator of style. They ran on. 68.1% uh, of early downs last year. So uh, really trying to, you know, quote, 
establish the run there from from Illinois. And so I think they'll try and do that against a Nebraska defense they think is is poor against the run. I'm optimistic about Adrian Martinez. Um, and and optimistic is a big word, but I do mean that just kind of generally. I think that there are some signs to say he could break out if circumstances are at work, right? So last year, um, he uh, was fourth overall in sacks and scrambles as a percent of total dropbacks. So dealing with pressure, uh, running, getting sacked, he was one of the uh, the, the most frequent guys at 16.6 of all of his dropbacks uh, resulted in him having to avoid pressure. And if you look at downfield throws from a clean pocket in 2021 in non-garbage time, Matt Corral, 72.2% led the nation from Ole Miss. Adrian Martinez tied with Sam Howell for second at 69.1% downfield completion. So I don't love Illinois' pass rush. I really believe that if Nebraska can give Adrian Martinez some time, we have a full offseason, he's got a, a credible running threat, he should be able to move the ball, and Illinois will try to be uh, playing catch-up here. Let's go ahead and move to the next big game that is on the schedule for Week 0, and I don't know how big it really is, but... Hawaii travels to the Rose Bowl to UCLA uh, last season. UCLA four and three against the spread. Hawaii four and five against the spread. Chip Kelly is zero and six all time against non-conference opponents at UCLA. Uh, he did have two games against Cincinnati and two games against Oklahoma that kind of skews it. But he also lost big to Fresno State. He also lost to San Diego State as well. Um, you know that that's kind of tough. Hawaii was four and three against the spread as a dog in 2020 but they were only one and three against the spread as a road dog. The line currently sits UCLA minus 17 and a half total is at 68 here. Now I do think that UCLA has an absurd talent edge here, especially on the line of scrimmage uh, linebackers, especially I think UCLA has got uh, a great linebacking core, but uh, I do think that Hawaii's secondary could give Dorian Thompson Robinson some issues here. I, I am big on this. I I really think that Hawaii is going to keep this game close. And my reasoning behind this is I don't think Hawaii's quarterback, Siobhan Cordero, I hope I said that correctly, is not that bad. Um, and I do think that Hawaii runs the ball and the pace that they play with, I think, slows it down a little bit. I, I think that UCLA does not care about this game. I, I'll go ahead and tell you guys like this. I, I took Hawaii when it got to, uh, to, to plus 18, right? It sits at 17 and a half. I still kind of like that. I I don't think UCLA is worried about this, especially with LSU coming in next week. Kyle, let me go ahead and and start with you here. What are your thoughts on the Bruins and the Warriors? Yeah, if your situational spots better, you would like uh, Hawaii in this game for sure. Like you said, you know you got LSU coming up next for UCLA. That's a massive game. Even if UCLA does get a big lead here, you would think this is backdoor potential, right? Because Hawaii is going to be able to score in this game. You would think. UCLA may take their foot off the gas at least a little bit. Um, you know, Hawaii's defense should improve quite a bit this year. They have some really good transfers in. On the defensive line, they picked up the guy from Utah and Arkansas. And then Hugh Nelson from Georgia and Azuna from Iowa State going to start right away in the secondary. I would think that uh, Hawaii's defense will be quite a bit better than they were last year at least. Um, Todd Graham has been really busy, busy bringing in these transfers. And I think we should be able to see that, you know, it will help this team improve quite a bit. Obviously, UCLA is going to move the ball here. I don't think any of us think that, you know, they're just going to shut down UCLA. But uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, to me, is still proven very unreliable. I know he has potential, um, you know, average depth of target, seven and a half yards per pass. You could argue that's partially just the Chip Kelly offense, certainly. 
but bad decision making, turnover worthy play on 5.6 percentage of plays, according to PFF. The UCLA offensive line's good. I do think they'll be able to run the football here. Um, this is a high total, you know, 68 points. You know, my totals, guys. So I have to say, I, I could not bet over 68 in a game like this. I think that Hawaii will run want to run the football a decent amount. Shevin Cordero is a good quarterback. Uh, you know, I don't think they necessarily want a 40-something to 40-something game here because uh, UCLA is happy to run and play very fast, certainly. I lean under here. My number was 65 on this one, so I'm going to lean under 68. As far as the side, if I had to bet a side here, I would bet Hawaii. Um, I tend to agree with Gary in that this is a lot of points. You know, 18, a good number, but 17 and a half, not a big difference, obviously. Um, I think UCLA will win this game win this game uh, fairly comfortably, but I do think that Hawaii can stay in this game more than some people think. Even Hawaii first half bet doesn't seem like a bad bet to me. I tend to agree with that. Uh, Now, Parker, I did some looking on your site last night, and I do know that Hawaii was surprisingly efficient running the football last year, just like Kyle mentioned. Along with that, I, I don't know that UCLA was great against the run. Uh, can you can you give me some matchup breakdowns here? I, I know that that you like UCLA minus the 17 and a half, but tell me tell me what you like about this matchup. Yeah, so I, I will say you can't say enough about Cordero who uh, or Cordario, who is uh, Hawaii's quarterback, you know, uh, as a passer, um, relatively, you know, relatively efficient, 43 percent success rate, uh, 31.4% first down rate, a lot more value as a rusher, which is always concerning for a quarterback. Um, but, you know, he he averaged uh, uh, 6.7 yards per yards per attempt last year um, and, and had a couple big breakaway runs to uh, 20 runs of, of 10 plus yards. And so was really able to kind of make up for some deficiencies there. Um, I do think we have to really, really heavily opponent adjust what Hawaii did last year, the teams they beat, Fresno State, New Mexico, um, Nevada in a game that had some COVID issues, and then UNLV and a Houston team that uh, arguably may or may not have been on this on this planet. So that that, that last year was a fun performance by, from Hawaii, but I am a little bit worried about them. I will say the secondary is an interesting point. Um, if you look last year, they allowed a 41% passing success rate which is 40th overall, and 0.99 EPA per pass, which is 37th overall. They are returning seven defensive backs with at least 150 coverage snaps from last year, and they're adding a three-star Iowa State safety, uh, Azuna, as as a transfer. So maybe the best secondary in the Mountain West. I don't know what that looks like with UCLA. The key... uh, The the really key interesting thing about UCLA here is they run the ball a lot, 60% of early downs, but they're kind of running an air raid offense. Chip Kelly's moving the ball around a lot. They're doing a lot of weird things. They'll run counter and uh, they'll run GTC. They'll pull a guard, a center, and a tackle, and then they'll line up and run, you know, stick or mesh or uh, uh, Y cross, like, immediately and and really fast. So kind of a weird offense, nothing you expect from Chip Kelly. What's really, really interesting about UCLA is that they do not spread the ball around. I, I looked at, you know, kind of the most concentrated offenses in college football is who was responsible for most of the value. And, uh, UCLA was eighth overall last year. It is it is largely, um, you know, a show of one or two guys. And so that can make you nervous if you think maybe Hawaii has a good secondary. Maybe they can kind of um, key in on Felton, who was responsible for 38.3% of all plays last year for uh, UCLA. And so that, that could make me nervous. I will say that 
uh, Hawaii made their hay kind of scoring points on scoring opportunities. They were 13th overall in points per echo last year. UCLA, 104th in allowing 3.5. But you look at some of the offenses UCLA played, clearly the magnitude is different than Hawaii. So I, I think that um, if we believe that 2021 is a normal year, we believe a full offseason, there will be some kind of slowness in the first half. And so I like Kyle's kind of first half Hawaii bet. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Chip Kelly not pull his foot off the gas and say, hey, we need to get some reps in with DTR. We need to figure out what we're going to do gearing up for the Pac-12. And since he's kind of a guy who games so much, that's why I think they'll end up covering. Now, he has in the past kind of used non-conference games as a bit of a preseason, especially uh, with the whole NFL thing. And, and, and I get that. I just wonder how vanilla will he go if he thinks that the LSU game means more than the Hawaii game. That's that's where I'm concerned, and that's that's why obviously I've got to bet on Hawaii plus 18, and I, I still would take it at plus 17 and a half. I think that there's value there. Uh, so Parker, we will we will disagree a little bit. If this game meant more, if there was you know a Bethune Cookman or something like that coming up next week, I I don't know how much the scheduling dynamic would change it, but I do wonder about just how vanilla Chip Kelly will go. Um, but we'll move on from there. We will move over to, this is a a battle right here, the battle for Las Cruces, right? Isn't that what it is? Uh, UTEP and New Mexico State. I'm stoked about this one. I know nobody else is, but I, I kind of enjoy watching bad football teams play, especially late at night on a Saturday night, early in the season. It gets me in the groove. I know there's going to be mistakes made. I know we're going to see crazy plays. We're going to get a ton of them in this game. I can feel it in my bones. Last season, New Mexico State did not play until the spring, and they got walloped by Tarleton State, 43-17. to And then they came back two weeks later, and they beat Dixie State. Now, everybody wants to point at Tarleton State. I get it. it, it let's hit the odds uh, first here, okay? UTEP is a 10-point favorite here. Uh, the money line, I do want to bring that up, is plus 315. Uh, for for New Mexico State, and the total sits at 55 and a half. Go ahead and give everybody a little little history lesson. New Mexico State has beaten UTEP three straight from 2017 through 2019. They didn't get to play last year. They are three and zero against the spread against UTEP in that span. UTEP went three and five last year. Finally got to three wins under Dana Demel, but the wins were against Abilene Christian, uh, Stephen F. Austin and ULM, who was the worst FBS team in the country last season that actually played. Uh, they are 0-2 straight up as a favorite under Dana DeMell. So if they win this game, it would be a first. So uh, the, the Tarleton State game last year for New Mexico State was a blunder of uh, just everything going wrong at, at the exact wrong time, right? It was a disaster from the very beginning, but they were missing some of their best players. I, I do think that UTEP is a better team. They have more high-end talent. And by high-end, I mean, that's obviously uh, not the term maybe we should use for UTEP's talent. But they've got some great players. I do think that they have the better roster. I do think that this is going to be a close game. I think this thing has jumped out. People are jumping on UTEP because of how bad New Mexico State looked in the spring. I think this is where that bias comes in. I think this is where uh, the the buy lows to uh, sell high kind of stuff comes in. Parker, let me jump to you first. Give me your thoughts on the New Mexico State Aggies and the UTEP Miners. I don't know how we quantify a team who really didn't play in, in 2020. There's a, there's just so much uncertainty here that I'm, I'm prone to think 
that UTEP having a full offseason, having last year with an established quarterback um, and having a, a, I'll say, a sort of competent pass game, you know, 0.257 EPA per play in the pass. I think that they can move the ball. They demonstrated that um, against, you know, against against Charlotte, against a UTSA defense that's a little feistier than normal. Um and 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 then in that North Texas kind of barn burner, I think. And if you're especially, you know, is is New Mexico State's best case being like North Texas last year? Um, if if so, then I think okay. Even if they're at their best case, I really do think that this UTEP team, uh, you know, a year more experienced, bringing back kind of uh, most of their top receivers, most of their top rushers, has has the advantage out of the gate here. Ten points in in a in a P5 game is really not that. Um, not that much, I don't think, especially when there's an asymmetry with with practice. You know, last year there's a lot of people that wanted to talk about days of spring practice and kind of how that correlated with COVID and and who was going to win. And I, I don't think that was as I think there were too many mitigating circumstances for that to actually be something in reality. But I do think that this year, um, you you can't you can't put too much of a price on how much kind of that that experience. Uh, loss of last year is going to create an asymmetry, especially at the beginning of the season, um, because many of these players have not put a, uh, you know, played a real meaningful game in, in you know, over 18 months. And so um, that that's going to be really, really tough, I think, to overcome. Uh, I think that, you know, no one's saying Dana Dimmel is, is, is you know, burning, burning the uh, G5 down and is, you know, excellent, but he's he's competent and there are things that they do well. They move the ball through the pass a little, uh, you know, decently. They uh, converted third downs at, a, at an OK clip, 47.4, which is 25th. So this offense kind of moves uh, all right. They are a little susceptible to the pass, but I'm not worried about, you know, a redshirt freshman starter from New Mexico State coming in and necessarily blowing anything up, especially given that um, there wasn't really anything last year to kind of instill confidence in, in that quarterback. That totally, totally makes sense. Uh, Kyle, do you have any kind of an idea about the total here? Uh, again, Parker said it. Can we quantify a team not playing a season? Uh, what what would that even mean with a point total? Yeah, I lean to the over in this one if I had to make a bet on the total. I don't think I am going to bet that. I will say I, I have quite a few thoughts about an ugly game like this, and I kind of appreciate that we have – uh, this show to where, you know, Gary and Parker and I all kind of get excited for a UTEP and New Mexico State game. You know, most people are like, all right, let's skip over a game like this. This is the I-10 rivalry down there. Like you said, New Mexico State's won the last three. A uh, really interesting fact here, UTEP has been a road favorite three times in the last 10 years. Uh, so now they're a 10-point road favorite. I tell you, I want to bet UTEP in this game, but 10 points is too much for me to lay. This was seven. It's been bet up to 10. Uh, at UTEP minus seven, I would have bet UTEP in this game. I, I'm kind of high on UTEP compared to the average person, I think. Um, they definitely played better last year. I think they clearly have the coaching advantage in this game. Uh, good receivers in Cowley and Garrett. I think they're definitely improving there. Uh, Wadley and Hankins, also good running backs. They had seven turnovers in the red zone last year. So if UTEP can clean it up in the red zone, I think they could score more than some people think this season. New Mexico State is tied for last in my power ratings with Bowling Green. Obviously, if you're tied with Bowling Green, it's not very good. Um, <laughs> they were carved up by Tarleton State. And then uh, New Mexico State allowed 6.1 yards per carry two years ago. Uh, I don't think they're going to do much better this year against the run. New Mexico State on offense wants to run the football. I don't think they're going to be able to throw it much at all. UTEP's defense much better against the run last year. It really impressed me, actually. 5.6 yards per carry two years ago, 
4.1 yards per carry last year, and PFF graded them as the 70th best run defense. I know number 70 is not great, but for UTEP, that was a big step in the right direction, certainly. I think their secondary is really bad, and they'll be uh, beaten by quite a few teams. I don't really think New Mexico State's the team that's going to abuse them uh, in the passing game. Like I said, I really wanted to bet UTEP here, but laying double digits on the road with a team that's been a road favorite three times in the past 10 years, it just kind of it's not something I really want to make the habit of doing. So um, UTEP, if I had to bet a side here, and I lean to the over as well. That's it. Now, I am I am taking New Mexico State. Um, this is not a big play for me whatsoever, but I, I am the, the prototypical gambler. I like to have a little action. I do see that there's value with a double-digit spread because my line is sitting around seven. Uh, when it opened, I felt, okay, there's no value here. As it got bet up to double digits, it got to that key number. That's where I felt good about it. Uh, but I totally see both of your points about UTEP. They look like the better team on paper and whatnot. I do want to see it first. I think that there's value with New Mexico State, but we will move on. We've got one it, more game it is to worth, discuss. Can I, can I jump in there? Yeah. It is worth saying you said about a little action. In in college, you know, me and a couple of roommates, we got a, you know, we all took like $50, $50 and put it in coins and we put it in a bucket. We had buckets in our living room and, you know, we'd watch a game and be like, hey, who's going to score first and do like little prop bets or whatever. That's kind of how I'm treating week zero here. Don't, yes. don't do anything yes. crazy on, on week zero. I think that's the best advice you could possibly give because, it, again, early games overall, probably not great to know. Uh, are probably not great to bet a whole lot early in the season because we have no idea what team is actually going to show up, especially after last year. We don't know if they're going to be even the same team. So trying to go in and find value, uh, a lot of this is is having fun, but we do like we can find some value here and there, and and we will keep track. We will see where we're going with this. We got one more game. We are going to discuss UConn at Fresno State. That's right, the defending national champions by the New York Times, the Yukon Huskies, who did not play a game at all. Parker, you've already mentioned, how do you quantify a game that did not play, or a, a team that did not play last season? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Fresno last year against the spread, 3-3, three and three, and they were 3-3 three and three on totals as well. So no trends, no nothing, just is what it is. Fresno was great under uh, Jeff Tedford when Kalen DeBoer was the OC. Now, of course, DeBoer is the head coach, and they looked good in spots last year. They've got talent, and they have a massive talent advantage here in this game. Uh, they closed last season with a 10-point loss at New Mexico, and that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, but I, I don't know what it means for this game when you are going to play against UConn. So uh, the line sits right now, Fresno State, minus 27 and a half. They are a big, big favorite. Almost four touchdowns. The total sits at 63. I'm, uh, I don't know what to make of this game. Uh, I think these two teams are are closer than 28 points, maybe. Um, but I don't trust it as far as talent goes. I know Fresno is a massive, massive favorite as far as that goes, but I don't know that it's four touchdowns. I do think uh, running back Ronnie Rivers is going to have a field day in this game. I think we're going to see some points. I don't know how much of that will come from UConn. Uh, Kyle, let's let's start with you on this one. Give me your thoughts on the Huskies and the Bulldogs. All right, so uh, we'll talk about some trends in ATS stuff here throughout the course of the season. And uh, we've talked about before how 
some of these ATS trends mean nothing and some of them actually might mean something. You know, you look at a, some people like to say, well, this team's, you know, 4-0 against the spread in their last four matchups against that team, but the last time they played was 20 years ago. Uh, that makes no difference. None of the same guys are there. The coach isn't there anymore. But I do want to say that UConn is 37-71-1 ATS in their last 109 football games. To me, that does matter. This is a UConn program going in the wrong direction here pretty fast. And then they sit out for the course of a full season. And I'm not one of those people that thinks that you can sit out, you know, work out uh, with strength and conditioning and stuff like that and get better without playing actual football games. So uh, I think not playing last year hurts them quite a bit. Uh, There are really no apparent strengths on this UConn roster, just spots that aren't quite as bad as others. Uh, Ross and Mensa are decent. I think their quarterback play is just atrocious, Uh, really, really bad quarterback play. This is an interesting game because it's an 11 a.m. local time kickoff. So uh, you're not going to see very many of these this year. Um, Not sure that it necessarily changes, you know, who this is better for. Some would argue that that's a good thing for Fresno State because UConn's going a long ways to play this game. That's not really why I'm leaning Fresno State in this one. And I am going to at least uh, bet some pizza money here on Fresno State in this one. I like Kalen DeBoer. I think he's a really good offensive mind. And really, you look at the skill position talent for Fresno State, it's very impressive. Uh, I think Jalen Cropper is a star wide receiver. Uh, Jake Hayner is a good quarterback. Ronnie Rivers is an excellent running back. The question mark for Fresno State is their offensive line. You know, can they be good enough on the offensive line to do enough? If you look at uh, PFF grades here, they were 96th in the nation in run blocking grade last year. So Rivers' numbers actually look pretty good. And imagine if somebody was actually blocking for him, how good he would be. Um, You know, this is a Fresno team that was 32nd in the nation in PFF passing offense. I think they'll have better line play in the second year of the system. I really think Fresno's offense will be very good this year. I think they're going to score a lot of points. We might see some value on some overs here. Uh, UConn's run defense in the last two years they've played allowed 7.7 yards per carry. Well, I mean, that's tough to do. 5.9 yards per carry in the second season. And their secondary is probably worse than their defensive line, to be honest. So I think Fresno is going to be able to take full advantage. The question here is how many does Fresno State want to score in this game? I think they should be able to score a ton of points here. I will say, I don't like laying 27 and a half points very often. You're not going to hear me doing that on a consistent basis. I don't love the games here this weekend. That's why I'm not saying, hey, I love this play. Here's, here's my favorite play. Uh, I feel like we should always be honest about that. And I think Parker makes a good point that, you know, be careful if you come back in next week and you type in the chat, hey, I lost my whole bankroll last weekend. We're going to be like, man, we tried to tell you, you know, I mean, this is uh, <laughs> it is dangerous to try to bet too much on these games. But I'll say I'm going to take Fresno State minus 27 and a half. And it's not necessarily a power ratings play as much as it is. I don't know how many points UConn can score here. I think Fresno State can score quite a few. And UConn not having played last year to me is a big disadvantage. So I like Fresno State in this one. Now, Parker, DeBoer as the offensive coordinator under Tedford, they were a covering machine. Give me give me a reason along with what Kyle said to, to go one side or the other here. I, I don't know that I can trust UConn right now. If I was going to make a play, I feel like I would probably roll Fresno State, especially when it's lower than four touchdowns. Uh, do you kind of feel the same? This is, yeah, so so when I looked at this, I had this at 20, 28. That's that's too many. That's too many points uh, for me. I think that if you look at kind of the drives last year and the, and the pace of Fresno, um, you know, there's a couple games down the stretch 
Uh, like that Nevada game, 15, 15 drives, but only 26 points. The Utah State game, 14 drives, 35 points. I just don't know. I mean, are we counting on them winning 28 to zero? Like 28 to three breaks your uh, 28 to three. You, you yeah, lose that, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I mean, I, I, UConn is incompetent. Don't I'm. I'm not putting, you know, I'm not putting a ton of faith in UConn. I'm just saying for a week one game for an offense that, that you know, moved the ball well, but really didn't score as much as you would um, think on a per drive basis. Uh, I just think this is a whole lot of points. So that's why I would, you know, I would, I would lean towards, towards UConn on this one. Um, even though I do think that they are just absolutely um, a disaster only because Fresno is going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to move the ball, but their drives take a little bit longer. They, I just don't think they can put up that many points. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be 45 to nothing now, and I'm going to eat my words. But, but look, at, at 42 so to many, 17, it's so many points. Like, yeah, 42 to 17 is not covering. Like, yeah. It would have to be 45 to 17 to, to cover this 27 and a half. So there is always that. It's exactly what Kyle was saying. We don't necessarily like betting these big numbers here. And, and Fresno, of course, the next week has Oregon. Uh, but how much stock do they put into that Oregon game versus how much do they, you know, want to want to get their playmakers out there and and try and get some things working against the UConn where they know that they could maybe do almost anything at will? Because I I don't know that UConn's going to put up much of a fight. But again, you know, it, it's 42 to 10 and UConn scores a, a late touchdown to make it 42 to 17. That's yeah. 25 points. That's, you know, so that that's where it could get a little interesting. Um, I am. I'm personally not going to bet this one. Uh, there will be other games on at this time. I'm going to have my coins elsewhere. But uh, but yeah, I could I could totally see it. If I was going to take a, a side, it would probably be Fresno State. But that is, I'm I'm not feeling good about it. I will say that that just feels like a lot of points. Uh, the line that I had on it was 25. Okay, you know, <laughs> who knows what UConn's going to be? We got no idea. So, all right, we will uh, we will go ahead and close out the show again. Only four uh, matchups that you know we've got the odds on and everything. I, I do want to jump into the chat a little bit. Uh, James Lill jumped out and said, "Should I hammer under 55 in this Nebraska Illinois game?" I would not hammer anything. I think we just talked about that. Um, along with that, uh, Big Trouble Jack said, "Played Illinois plus eight and a half before it dropped." That's that's where you're getting the value. A um, lot of lot of guys in the chat. Jackson Carter, Big Trouble Jack. James Lil, Bruce, a lot of guys. We appreciate you guys jumping in on the show. Uh, to go on and knock out the recap here, uh, Parker is leaning. He feels good on these. He's got Nebraska, minus 7. He's got UCLA, minus 17.5. UTEP, minus 10. And UConn, plus 27.5. I am passing on the Nebraska game. Uh, I have got Hawaii plus 17 and a half against UCLA. I've got New Mexico State plus 10 against UTEP. And then I'm going to pass on UConn. And Kyle is leaning Fresno State minus 27 and a half. I, I feel good about it. Guys, I am super excited that we have finally got football that is going to be on TV on Saturday. Real live college football. It doesn't get any better than that. Anytime college football is on is a good day in my book. So, Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. If you have not already subscribed, please do so. And, you know, before we do that, maybe I should give you the value play as well. You can use the promo code to sign up at betus.com. NCAAF 2021. It's 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500. And it's sportsbook exclusive. 
So it, you, they are going to double your money and more to bet on sports all season. So make sure that you are signed up. There is a link in the description. Again, the promo code NCAAF2021. Now, now that you are watching the show, it is this late. Obviously, you like us a little bit if you hung around this long. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Again, we are going live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And make sure you jump in the chat. Like, we are going to have a lot of fun with this. Make sure and check out yesterday's overview and betting strategy show. We talk about a lot of the terms that we will be using when breaking down games and whatnot. But we are going to have a fantastic season. Leave some comments. Share the show out. And tell your friends about it, of course. With that said, we are going to get out of here. For BetUS.com, where the game begins, we will see you next week.